We are in what Mary talked about, this Five Directions series. And I think this is a critical thing for us to be in, for us to do at this time, because this series really functions in a lot of ways as a really good reset. Uh, To me, this is a series about reminders. There's really not a lot of new content. And even, I'll just be honest with you personally, that I, when I look at these messages, a lot of the content I've preached before, I've gone through these passages before, but I think the points that we want to make, the, the going back into them, talking about this again is critical because these are reminders for us. These are things that we come back to every year. In church, we do this. We have rhythms. We have things that we do. So we have these seasons. We have Advent coming up where we'll be celebrating Christmas. And somebody might say, well, why do we celebrate Christmas every day I, I, or every year? I know the story, but there's something about it coming back to it that's important for us to go back over, to hear the story again, because we're always getting something from that and we're always realizing something powerful about that. I feel like we can't talk about the reality of Emmanuel, God with us, more than enough. We, 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 could just, we could talk about it all the time because it's so critical and so important. This idea, God became flesh to walk among us. What an incredible reality. So we tell that story over and over again. We come to Lent, which prepares us for Easter. And you say, well, maybe we've told that story too many times. Could you, just, could you do it from a different angle? And I say, no. The best thing that we can talk about in his church is the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus because that is at the very center, the core of our faith. So we will talk about those things and come back to those things. We'll come back to that to, to, to experience that again because we can't talk about resurrection enough. We can't talk about the power of the resurrection of Jesus enough. We can't talk about what that means for our lives. We can't talk about that, what that means for the reality of the truth of what Jesus said and the power behind it because the power of the resurrection stands behind all of it and says, this is good, this matters, this is the Messiah. We need that. And so in the same way, I think that when we come to these teachings, though, though the five directions obviously don't stand as, as tall as Advent or as Lent and Easter, uh, the five directions are critical because they remind us and help us understand who are we as a church? What are we trying to do? What, what do we believe in our mission and vision? And so in these directions, we come back through and we're finding uh, pieces that connect to our faith kind of the directions, the movements of our faith as we live it out, um, as our love for God and our, and our, our community with each other, we live these out, these movements, these directions. But as we explore these, I feel like what's cool about them is they also show us what's unique about how we understand these pieces. What, what are the parts of these things that we're going to turn up the volume on? So when we talk about connecting with God, A lot of churches will talk, hopefully every church will talk about the importance of loving God, of connecting with our Savior. But where are we turning up the volume? What do we want people to hear, and what do we feel like we're supposed to be accentuating in that conversation? And so we talked about this the very first week, because I think this is probably the most critical for us to understand, because I think it leads us into all the others. As we talked about connecting with God, we talked about this idea of God moving toward us. We talked about the idea that sometimes we look at faith as this mountain journey, that that we're trying so hard to get to God. And if I would just do the right things, if I would just do this work, if I would just try this, if I would just try harder, maybe God would hear me. Maybe God would listen to me. Maybe I would get there. And instead, the beauty of faith is that God moves toward us. 
That song reminds us the goodness is running after me. The picture of the prodigal son, of the father running out to the son. This idea that God moves towards us. And then we talked about this idea of that to try to give us an illustration of that, of God on a porch calling us home having poured the path, having set things for us, having put the stones in place as we're coming down the road saying, come on, come out, come on. Come on, I want you to come. I want you to come home and experience home. And so we are all invited by the God who invites. And then I talked about this idea, this blessing that we have in our next week. We talked about this idea of captivate. That if if faith was just about me and God, If faith was simply set in this idea of my relationship with God, and that was it, I would be missing a critical element of faith, which is sharing the good news of Jesus with those around me. And so last week, we talked about the blessing we have, the gift that we have, to also stand at that same porch and say, come, come and experience the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus. We talked about how our lives look different, transformed by his grace and his love and his mercy in such a way that maybe people would peer in and go, there's something different about that. There's something curious about the way that you're living. And then we talked about the ugly side of this, that sometimes people think that their responsibility is instead to stand at the gate of the house to make a fence and to stand there and think that it's upon them to stand there and say, well, then I get to decide who comes in or who doesn't come in. I get to decide this. And God looks at them and says, no, that's actually not your job. I need you back over here. Come back to the porch. Come on, this gate's open. We're gonna invite everybody in. What an amazing responsibility we have. And let's not screw that up. Let's not get that wrong. Let's always be the people standing and saying, come on. Come on, come experience this. So then as we talked about that, we talked about this idea that as we do that, our responsibility is simply to invite, unless, and this is a critical piece here, someone says, would you help me walk? Would you help me walk towards the house? Would you help me walk into God's grace and love and mercy? Would you take my hand? Can we walk together? And when somebody reaches out their hand and you reach out your hand and you're walking together, there is something that happens in that reality of community, that we have developed relationship with each other, this idea that we don't have to walk alone and we shouldn't walk alone in this journey, that the journey into God's love and grace and mercy, the journey of exploring the way of Jesus is not a solo journey. It's a journey that we get to do together. And so maybe you're reaching your hand out, looking for someone to walk with you, or somebody is reaching out and you're willing to take that hand and walk with them. And that's what I want to talk about today. So this idea that we come to this place, we come to this moment, we come to this idea that we get to walk the journey of faith together. So does all of that make sense? Because every week what I'm trying to do, and and we don't do this every series, this really does build on each other. It's so critical that we get this. Because we need to get this relationship correct, this relationship with God correct, that God is moving towards us. He is the one offering us his love and his grace and his mercy. 
When we understand that, that our job then is to invite, our gift that we have is to invite others, not stand as gatekeepers, but inviters into his kingdom, that changes everything. And then to see that our job isn't to tell who gets to walk, where they walk, or how they walk, but to say that we have open hands to walk with each other in relationship with each other, mutual relationship, that changes everything. There's a, there's a, a way to put this. And we really find this in some ancient words. This comes all the way back to the book of Proverbs we find in scripture. We find this statement of wisdom and it says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now look, I want you to see again how this relationship takes place. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now, now think about that for a minute. This is great wisdom. This shows us this idea of this mutual relationship that we're supposed to have. I just broke my clip. See that, Kurt? You didn't do it today. So it's going to break on me. Um, this reminds us of this idea. It, 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 we need each other. We, we need this relationship. We're, we're stronger together. The, these tools, these pieces of iron need each other, sharpening each other, preparing each other what, for what they're created to do. Do you see that piece here? It, it would be impossible for one tool to get sharper without the presence of the other. So this is really just basic r- wisdom here. This is a basic concept, a basic idea that then we can start to understand in our own lives. That we're not meant to be alone. We're not meant to stand on our own. We're not meant to try to figure this out on our own. Something unique, something special, something incredible happens in relationship. So I want us to first keep this in mind. This idea of these tools needing each other, sharpening each other, making each other stronger. And keep that proverb in mind as we move forward in scripture to another letter. This letter is written to a group of Christians called, uh, called the book of Hebrews. And this was written to a group of Christians who were completely isolated. Things had really fallen apart for them. There was a lot of persecution taking place. They weren't a part of the community that they had belonged to. So their relationship with God had become an isolated reality. And amid that reality, what happened was a lot of people had started to disconnect even further. So as they found themselves isolated from the other people around them, rather than trying to draw closer to each other, trying to connect to each other, what seems to have happened here is they began to move and drift away from each other. They began to lean away from that community. And so this letter is written, the book of Hebrews, and the author encourages them that they should be banding together in relationship with the other, through the church. And through this, they will grow in their faith together. So listen to this. This is great. Hebrews 10, starting in verse 24, it says this. And let's, let, us, let us consider, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us not give up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing. Let us encourage one another. 
and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, that ends with a kind of a strange phrase for us as you see the day approaching. We're kind of sitting back going, what are they talking about there? This is a reminder for us that in the New Testament time, most people understood that Jesus was going to come back in their lifetime. So they were thinking, here he comes. It's going to happen. It is getting closer. And I love what happens here because I think this is kind of cool. The writer of this passage looks and says, listen, you all are convinced that Jesus is coming back. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to spur each other on towards love and good deeds. I want you to, to continue meeting together. I want you to build even closer relationships with each other, which is so fascinating because I feel like a lot of people today who have a mentality, Jesus is coming back tomorrow, become even more isolated, begin to think that good deeds and love matters even less. It's more of a hunker down, bunker down mentality that I've got it right and everybody else got it wrong and at least I'll be there in the end. This is the exact opposite of that mentality. It says if you have faith in Jesus, if you believe that God is doing something new with this world and you believe that you are a part of that, then this is the time to join in hands with all those around you who believe the same thing. Share love and good deeds with this world. Make an impact and a difference in this moment. Don't sit around and wait. Don't hunger down, but go out and be the church. An incredible passage. And then what's really cool about this is how the Greek is written here. When we look at the text, we sort of make three different points here. And it seems like it could easily be like a, like a three-point sermon or maybe like a three-part series of these let us phrases. You know, maybe we could do one on, you know, let us consider. We could do another one on let us not give up meeting. We could do another teaching on let us encourage one another. But the fascinating thing about the Greek here is that in the original Greek, it seems to be that these aren't three separate points. It's almost like these are like one big point and then sort of a couple sub points that support that main point. So we should be thinking in terms of how do we spur each other on? See, the, the, the key point here, the critical piece that we can't miss, is spurring each other on towards love and good deeds. That is his point. That is what he's trying to make here. Let us consider how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And then he says, by doing these things, by meeting together. Another way to put this might be this. Let us be intentional about helping each other live out our faith by meeting each other, meeting together, gathering together, and encouraging one another. Now that I write this sentence down, I look at my notes here, I realize this doesn't even sound like me, so I'm going to rethink this a little bit. We're going to workshop this together. Because I like intentional, but the reality is I'm not likely to look at my friends and be like, let's be intentional together. If I said that, you would look at me and be like, that's so weird. And you guys know me that I think church should be weird, but not that weird. We should be good weird, not bad weird. Does everybody got that? That is a whole sermon of its own about Southeast. Let's be good weird, not bad weird. So how do I say this? What's another way we could workshop this? Hey, listen. <laughs> I can't figure this out on my own, Kurt. I can't, I cannot do this by myself. So I need you. Like, I need you to be there for me. 
I need you to encourage me. I need you to know when I need to hear you. And Greg, I mean, like, we did the same thing over the past few years, right? And how many of us have those relationships? Friends who are there exactly when you need them. And that's what this is pointing to. I just love this passage. This is almost like a common sense passage when you really think about it. And when we begin to peel the layers of weird church stuff out of it, what the author is saying, listen, you have a community around you. People who follow the way of Jesus. Who else would you want to have have your back? Who else can look at you and say, listen, I need you to understand. I just don't think you're doing this. Like, I think, I think there's something missing here, man. Or to say, listen, I know things have been rough. What can I, how can I be there for you? How can I encourage you in this? Because I really, I want you to be the best version of you that you can be. Because I know that God has purpose and vision and dream for your life. And I just want to help you get there. See, that's relationship. That's friendship that they're talking about here. Another way to put this might be to say, do you know someone in your life who knows exactly who you are but loves you way too much to leave you there? Like, do you know someone who knows you so well they know exactly who you are but they love you too much to leave you laying there? That's the relationship of iron sharpening iron. The problem is that a lot of us don't create these kind of relationships. A lot of us have, um, to, to use these uh, words like intentional or incidental, a lot of us have incidental relationships. Let me see if I have this right. Let me see if I can figure this out. I think this works in school. I think it works in work. I think it works in our neighborhoods. We all have relationships like this. Hey, how are you? Good? How are you? I'm great. All right. See you later. Right? I want a relationship like this. Hey, how's it going? Well, the car broke down last night, and uh, mower broke, and uh, my job sucks. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty bad. And I know you'd be like, that sounds depressing, but that's real. I mean, do you actually have people in your life that you don't have to look at with fake smiles and be like, everything's cool, when inside the world is literally a dumpster fire? We need to be more honest and open. We need people in our lives like that. And I think that's what this is coming to. We need something different. We need the people who call us, who ask us how we're doing, who actually mean it. Who, knew, who know when things aren't cool and know when we walked alone for far too long. Now, maybe we don't create a lot of those relationships on purpose. I, mean, I get it, right? Like, maybe we don't create them out of fear. We don't make relationships like that out of rejection, right? Because I don't want to be rejected. We don't want to be judged by other people. I mean, it's kind of hard going up to somebody and being like, hey, Listen, I want a relationship where I can tell you exactly what's going on. And somebody might look at you and go, you know what? I just don't really know that I want to get into that. That sounds a little heavy. And then we go home and we're like, 
Oh, thanks, Ryan. That worked out real well. Thanks for that. So what do we do? How, how do we do this? But I, here's the thing again. This isn't a new issue. Humanity hasn't changed. Humans are still humans. And the people in this text had the same experience. So listen to this. Let's, let's listen to it again. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage each other. Let us encourage each other. He's pleading with them. He's saying, come on. Guys, what do you think? Who in your life knows your story, your journey in such a way they can genuinely encourage you? One way I, I wrote this and thought about it was the only way for you and I to authentically encourage or spur each other on is to know where we need that encouragement, to know where we need support, to know where we need accountability, to spur each other on towards love and good deeds. And then I love this. <laughs> Let me go back to this for a second because I love how the author drops these in. Love and good deeds. Love and good deeds. I'm supposed to be a person of love. I don't always do that. Sometimes I'm drawn to be selfish rather than being a person of good deeds. I'm willing to confess it to you. Sometimes I'm walking around and I'm like, I don't want to be a person of love today. And I especially don't want to love that person today. And there are times that I wake up in the morning and I think, I want today to be a me day just about me. I'm not, I, don't want to be, I don't want to be for everybody else. What about a Ryan day? Now, there's a, there's a piece of that that you need a day for you. It's good to give a day for yourself. But if every day is about you, you might be missing something. We're supposed to be about love and good deeds. It's not fun to admit that stuff. But let's be honest about it. Confess it. Be accountable to others about this. I want to be. I want to know where I'm missing it. Because I want people to look at my life and be like, you know what? That Jesus thing you got going on? Yeah, I want to know more about that. And when I lean into selfishness, when I lean into a part of me that doesn't want to love, I'm not living out the Jesus part of my life. In another letter written to another early Christian community, we find these words. It says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them. Anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the, offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Then he says this, Therefore, confess your sins. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now look at the end of this passage. It's one of those passages about sin that we might want to avoid, we might not want to talk about because we don't want to talk about sin, but it connects directly with what we're talking about today. A definition of sin that we can use is that sin is when I willfully lean into selfish and unloving desires that are destructive to the world around me. And I think that may be one of the best definitions of sin because God wants us to live for the flourishing of the world around us. God wants to live for us to live for the flourishing of this creation. And when we choose to live in a way that is selfish and unloving, destructive to the people around me and the world around me, I'm living in a place of sin. 
So I need to be spurred on by others to be the person that God wants me to be, to be spurred on by others into love and good deeds because there are times that I fail. So rather than sit in that reality of messing up, rather than sit in that reality of being like, yeah, I'm choosing a lot more selfishness or I'm not being the kind of person that God wants me to be and how I'm being loving. James says, confess it to each other. Have the people in your life that you can be honest about that. Pray for each other. Find healing and wholeness with each other. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We all have things going on on the outside because of what's going on on the inside that need to be healed. But most of us fear confessing this stuff because we wonder, what's everybody going to think about me? What, what are people going to think about me if I'm honest with them about this junk? I mean, what, what's, what's someone going to think about me if I'm like, I just, I, I'm, I'm really just living kind of gross. And it's kind of destructive. It's just a mess. Here's what I want to tell you. He says here, the prayer is powerful. It's effective. That there, there's healing found in it. If you're honest with people, do you know what I think they do? They realize you're just like them. They'll think you're average. They'll think you're honest. They'll think that you're deciding to actually be real. You're not a fake anymore. See, sharing with each other is powerful. It's effective in bringing healing, change, transformation to our lives. See, all of us have something big going on. And we all need support and encouragement from the people around us to get through that stuff. All of us need to be invited and invite others. But we all have to be willing to reach out and grasp the hands of those around us. Now, look, this might not happen in your neighborhood. I, I don't know that I want you to go on Monday and, and have this start in your job. I'm not sure the first thing you want to do is go up to somebody you don't know at work and be like, hey, you know, I was thinking we could start meeting together at lunch and confessing to each other. What do you think about that? <laughs> I think that could end really weird, and that's probably not a good idea. But there is a safe place to develop those relationships with each other. Right here. That is the beauty of Christian community. Coming into this place together. Meeting people who are on the same journey. And being willing to reach out and grab the hands of those around us. Because we weren't made to do this alone we were made for each other. Because look at that passage again, that passage of Proverbs. Because iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. It's incredible. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful that all these dimensions of life, that this reality of the multifaceted reality of our lives, that you speak into these places that we see your love for us. We see the invitation that we have to invite those around us. 
And then here we see this reality to build honest and real relationships that truthfully every one of us needs. God, I ask that you would help us to navigate this next season as a church community, as individuals, figuring out how do I create some of these relationships? How do I come together with those around me? How do I develop places of trust and just honesty? God, help all of us to be people who are willing to reach out our hands and take the hand of others who are reaching out to us. Let us live out this compelled direction that reminds us to not do faith alone, to not be in this life alone, but to walk together toward you. In your name that we pray, amen.